Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. Well, 10 years ago, a group of 60 committed people set out to be a place of hope in the city of Toronto and in South Etobicoke. That was our core group on launch Sunday, 60 committed people all actively engaged, setting out to be a place of hope for the city. You've already heard it said that in fact, that was the title of the first message ever preached in this church, Hope for the City, April 21st. 2013. And here's what I want you to know. Ten years later, our resolve and our conviction has not waned one bit, but our resolve and our conviction to be a place of hope for the city is stronger today than ever before. And for the past 10 years, I watched God build a church. A church, as Pastor Andrew said, was not here 10 years ago. But I watched God build a church, not a perfect church, but a beautiful church, a pillar of truth. God's word says the church is a pillar and buttress of the truth, a worshiping community, a house of prayer. We're not a church that prays. We're a praying church. We're not a church with prayer. We're a church of prayer. A pillar of truth, a worshiping community, a house of prayer, and a city on a hill, a scattering salt and shining light into this dark world. I saw God build a church of hungry people for God's word, a church passionate about worshiping Jesus Christ, a church that believes firmly in the power of prayer, a church with, I believe, an unusual calling to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in an unusual way to lost and lonely and broken and hurting hurting and forgotten people. God has given us a calling. If you're not aware of that, step into that today. Today on this 10-year anniversary, I'm praying some very specific things for you and for me and for us. I'm praying today that the faith of this church will rise. That we begin to believe some things that maybe we didn't believe this morning coming into this place. Faith to believe in the midst of even your own brokenness and your own messiness and your own pain and the painful situations that you face. I know there are many in this room today. There's been many in my life. But faith to believe in the midst of all of that, that the next 10 years will be the most powerful years that this church has ever known, that the next 10 years will be the most hope-filled years that this church has ever known. Faith to believe that this church will experience the most effective years of dispensing the hope of Jesus Christ into this community and beyond. Faith to believe that God wants to do that, that God, in fact, will do that. And he will. And I'm praying for your faith. And how are we going to generate faith? Well, it's not going to be me jumping up and down trying to generate faith. As we've done for the past 10 years, every single Sunday, we're going to go into God's Word. 
And so I want to encourage you to take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. And as I've said so many times for the past 10 years, if you don't have a Bible, you can put up your hand. And one of the ushers are coming up and down the aisles to put a copy of God's Word into your hand. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. We would love you to take it home and read it and have your life changed by the Word of God. The title of today's message is this, Truth for the Next 10 Years, and I'll add, and Beyond. And that's what we're going to find in Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, Truth for the Next 10 Years, and I'm praying for faith to rise. Ephesians 3. Verses 20 to 21 says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, I have some rock-solid truth that will carry us through the next 10 years and beyond. Rock-solid truth that will strengthen us and I believe will cause faith to rise in our hearts today. Here's point number one if you're taking notes. Rock-solid truth for the next 10 years. God can do anything. We must dream big. God can do anything. We must dream big. Look at verse 20. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Now before we unpack verses 20 to 21, it's important for us to gain some context. You know in this church we don't just parachute into some verses and try to understand it. We got to gain some context. So Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 is, you need to understand the culmination of the first part of the book of Ephesians, which is a section of pure and robust theology as chapters 1 to 3. And as is typical in all of the Apostle Paul's writings, the first part of his letter to the Ephesians is made up of theological grounding Ending here in verses 20 to 21. And the final part of the letter is made up of practical outworking. Now this is important because in the way that the Bible is written, we understand how we should live and understand it. Namely, theological truth always precedes and undergirds and underpins and empowers a right living. We see that in the way the Bible is written, that that is the way we should live. So for three chapters in Ephesians, Paul has been laying the foundation for how he wants the Ephesians to live. The foundation of theology and doctrine that will propel their living. And he concludes this in verses 20 to 21 with a climactic doxological response to all of this truth. It's a response of worship and praise. Essentially, Paul is saying in verse 20, now to the one who has done all of this, all this theological truth, all the riches of the gospel, all the doctrine that will propel the way we should live, now to the one who has done all of this, and in verse 20, to the one who can do anything we ascribe glory 
and worship. It's a doxology. It just means that it's an anthem of praise and worship. What has it been talking about in verses one, chapters 1 to 3? Well, we ascribe glory and worship to the one who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's Ephesians 1 verse 3. Think about these things. Think about this truth. We ascribe glory and worship to the one who has miraculously united us to Jesus Christ so that Christ is in us and we are in him. That's Ephesians 1 verse 4. We ascribe glory and worship to the one who has adopted us into his family and to the one who has given to us a marvelous inheritance. Do you you understand the, the magnitude of this truth? I say often, if we leave here and if I get hit by a car, it's okay because I've been adopted into the family of God and I have an inheritance that is eternal waiting for me that I don't deserve. It's amazing. We ascribe glory and worship to the one who has saved us by sheer grace and to the one who calls us to walk in the good works that he has prepared for us beforehand. That's Ephesians 2.10. And we ascribe glory and worship to the one who fills us with all the fullness of God, to the one who calls us into an intimacy with the creator of the universe, an intimacy that envelops us in this kind of unfathomable love of God. That's Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. And there's so much more truth in the first three chapters. Theological grounding. And as if all of this wasn't enough, Paul ascribes glory to the one whose work in our hearts and lives and community is far more expansive than we could ever ask or think or perceive of or imagine. I want you to notice it in verse 20. He says, now to him who is able. Let's just stop right here. And I'm praying so much that your faith begins to rise. Notice the words, who is able. The word able in the original, it means to have power by virtue of inherent ability. Now the one who has power by virtue of his own inherent ability and resources, the word expresses God's ability to do literally above all things. It's in the present tense in the text, which means that he's still able That he's able today. That's what the text is teaching us in order to infuse faith in us and to awaken us from our slumber and to uh, facilitate in us a, a growing faith and to launch us into doxological expectation towards the future based on who he is. He is able to do abundantly more than anything we could ask. Look at verse 20 again. Now to him who is able, notice this, to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. Now this past week I was in Calgary on a ministry trip and I had the opportunity while I was there to tour the offices and the facility of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Canada and Samaritan's Purse. And I 
I was pretty amazed at what I saw, this huge facility, and it's not even their biggest, and it's not their only facility around the world. But when I was walking around this facility, you know Billy Graham has passed away a while ago, I, I began to think to myself, I'm certain that a young Billy Graham, when he was called to preach, had absolutely no idea of the impact his obedience would have on the world. Not only was Billy Graham's life powerfully used, probably more than anyone else in modern history, to preach the gospel to millions, to advise and pray for presidents and world leaders, but I was particularly struck by the impact of the ministry years after his passing from this life to the next. I, I toured this massive facility, these massive warehouses. I, I saw these huge, big rigs, these massive trucks. I've never seen trucks like this before. Uh, plastered on the trucks were the Billy Graham and Samaritan's Purse logo. And, and the guy that was taking me on the tour, he said, hey, do you want to look inside? I, I, I said, what could be in this massive thing? And I walked in and I, and I found, he introduced me. Here's the, the prayer room and the counseling room. We drive these trucks onto uh, areas hit by severe crisis and we we minister to people we bring them in here we give them bibles we pray for them we we counsel them and here's this room bigger than many rooms in our own homes and then he says come with me and he takes me then to another room in this truck a room that is essentially a shop where there are tools so that they can drive on crisis hit situations and they could actually repair structures that have been broken down and rebuild things that have been devastated in the midst of a crisis. I saw then in another area of this huge big rig, this place full of medical equipment, like some of the best medical equipment you can find. And there's all these trucks around with all of these resources and they go all around the world and they minister to so many and they help and word and deed. I'm sure when Billy Graham responded to the call to preach, he couldn't have conceived of these trucks all around the world, helping and ministering to and blessing so many people, literally all over the world. I was in the office and I saw this big tent and I said, what is that? And they, they said, well, this is a, a sample of a field hospital. And then he showed me a picture on his phone of an area that was hit and devastated by natural disaster. And he had all of these field hospitals laid out on the ground. And he took me into the, the tent and I saw all this state-of-the-art medical equipment. He said, this is what we do. We go into this so that we can help people and provide the healing that Jesus can give. Why am I sharing all that with you? Because when I had this verse of scripture in my mind and it's marinating in my heart and mind and as I'm walking through this facility, I'm seeing a visual of I'm sure Billy Graham had no clue that all over the world this thing becomes this massive operation that God is providing for and expanding even years after him leaving this earth. All over the world, in many different ways, even all over this auditorium, in ways that are seen and ways that are unseen, in ways that we like and sometimes in ways that we don't like, 
God demonstrates his ability to far exceed any human expectation of what he can do. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do, notice this, far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. Far more abundantly is a compound word in the original Greek. It conveys God's power and God's activity as inexhaustible and super abundant and surpassingly beyond measure and overwhelmingly above anything we can ask or even conceive of. It describes an extraordinary degree involving considerable excess over what would be expected. The word itself in the original defies any single English translation. The Apostle Paul in Doxology fashion is worshiping God trying to express how awesome and inexhaustible this God is this God whom he is worshiping can do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think and when we planted this church we kind of believed that we had faith we said Lord you can do anything in ways that we see, in ways that we don't see. Would you use us to do great things, great things that maybe we wouldn't have expected, great things even that we can't even see or even be aware of, but would you be working somehow? Would you take this church, this community of people, would you cause it to be a place of hope for the city in a way that could far exceed our expectations? And I believe with faith, he has been doing that. Again, in ways we see, but I believe so much in ways we will never see until we stand before him on that day. God can do anything. But that's not an accurate enough statement. God can do even greater things than we could ever ask for. But that's not even enough. God can do even greater things than we could ever think or imagine. Loved ones, our minds don't have the capacity to perceive or conceive of what God is able to do. But what the Word of God does for me as I'm studying it this week, and I'm praying and praying for you that the Word of God would accomplish this for you, is that the Word of God would infuse faith in our hearts. That we would say that we are part of a community that believes with faith. That He's not a small God. He's not a half-hearted God. No, He's a passionate God who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask, and more than we could even think or imagine. So stop right here for a moment. What are the things that you ask God for that you believe he's able to do? You have things that you ask God for in your life, but let me just turn us towards this church. Do you ask God for anything concerning this church? Well, God is able to do more. Let me ask another question. What are the things that you think or imagine God would do in our church and in our city? Do you think and do you dream or do you imagine? Well, God can do even more than that. 
on the screen for you, many commentators have called this verse, verse 20, the pyramid of God's enablement. I just want to show you this pyramid so that according to verse 20, God is able, but not just that, God is able to do, but not just that, God is able to do far more abundantly, but not just that, God is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask. But not just that, God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. This verse is full of truth. That if your hearts are open, will infuse faith into your life. Faith to believe that God will do. God will do. Not only that he can do, but God will do. He will exceed our expectations. He'll exceed our wildest dreams. So that, see, I want love. I want to stand before God one day, and I want to be so amazed. I want to look back and say, God, I didn't know that you did all that. I didn't know you were working behind the scenes in that way. I want to fall before the Savior with tears filling my eyes and glorify him and say, I can't believe when I was discouraged, you were doing that. I can't believe it. When I was so down and I couldn't see the fruit, Lord, I can't believe you did that. I couldn't have imagined that that's what you were doing. See, I want us to believe. Because the only day that really matters is that day we stand before God. And we can honestly see all that he has done. Now let me suggest to you that today, Every single one of us probably sit on one or two of the layers of this pyramid that I showed you. I think that all of us know theologically that God is able. I go out and talk to you in the lobby after, and I go up to you and I say, do you think God is able? You're not going to say no. You're going to say, yeah. I think all of us know. Theologically, that God is able. And I think that many of us have seen tangibly that God is able to do. You have experiences in your life. You have experiences in this church. And you can look back and you can say, yeah, not only is he able, but I, I've seen tangibly he's able to do. And I think that some of us believe reluctantly that God is able to do far more abundantly. Some of us are here and we think, I think he can do more. I think so. I think few of us know confidently that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask. There are probably a few in here. When you come to the prayer meeting, you come And you come expectant. More than we're going to ask for today is what God will do. But I think that almost none of us anticipate expectantly that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. I'm praying that the Lord would infuse our hearts with faith. 
so that we move off of just theological understanding God is able towards God is able to do and then past God is able to do far more abundantly and then far more abundantly than all we can ask and far more abundantly all that we can ask or think. This is what I want our church to be, a church that dreams big dreams in accordance with, in proportion to the God that we worship. He's able. But here's the challenge. Some of us just don't believe. So I'm depending on God's word to help you today believe. That on this 10-year anniversary, we look ahead to the next 10 years and beyond, and we hang on to this truth, and we say, in this community, we believe. We trust. We follow God. We obey his word, and we know that he is able to do far more than we can ask or think. So here's a challenge for you for the next 10 years. Will you believe with us? And I'm praying you will. Will you believe with us that God is able and that he's able to do and that he is able to do far more abundantly and that he is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think? Will you believe with us? Let me tell you some of the things that I'm asking for and dreaming about. I'm asking for disciples to be multiplied. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. That's our mission to make disciples. I'm asking for leaders to be multiplied. I'm asking for ministries to be multiplied. I'm asking for churches to be multiplied. I'm asking for more wisdom to be multiplied amongst us. I'm asking for more unity. I'm asking for more love. I'm asking for more joy. I'm asking for more prayer. I'm asking for more conviction. I'm asking for more humility. I'm asking for more protection. I'm asking for more lives changed. I'm asking for more baptisms. I'm asking for more church plants. I'm asking for more missionary sent. I'm asking for families to be strengthened. I'm asking for marriages to be thriving. I'm asking for children to be adopted. I'm asking for more youth to be following Jesus. I'm asking for more impact in our city. I'm asking for Cavell and Royal York and 12th Street and Mimico Avenue. I'm asking for those buildings. I say, God, give us those buildings. I'm asking. And I want you to join me. I'm asking and I'm dreaming and I'm imagining what God can do. And then I'm looking at this text of scripture and I'm seeing that Paul says to the one who has done all of this in chapters one to three and the one who can do anything. Can do anything. So I'm asking the one who is able. Now some of you say, Jason, you're getting carried away. But I'll tell you why I'm not getting carried away. Look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. Watch this. This is why I'm not getting carried away. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. Watch this. According to the power at work within us. Just in case you think that I think we can do any of this. Let me make it very clear. We cannot do any of this. God is able. 
and he is able according to the power at work within us. According to, in the original, it means in proportion to God's infinite resources. Listen, not a portion of God's infinite resources, but in proportion to it. If a billionaire gives you $10, he's giving you a portion. But if a billionaire gives you $10 million, he's given you a proportion of what he has. And one commentator says, God is not stingy. His power is mightily at work within us. That's why I don't feel like I'm getting carried away. Because I can look at the building on Cavell or Royal York or 12th Street, and I can look at the building, and I can walk through the halls, I can say, Lord, every apartment in this place, Lord, open the door. It's not according to my power, my strategies. No. It's according to his power. His power that is at work within us. God is able, according to his power, at work within us. The Greek word power is dunamis. It speaks of God's effectual power, and it is currently at work. The word at work is in the present tense as well. It's not a dormant power. It's a presently active power. And I'm choosing to be a pastor who believes that his power is presently at work. I'm choosing to be a pastor who believes no matter what it looks like, no matter what I see, I'm going to be faithful and believe his promises and trust that his power is at work and it is effective. It is not ineffective. So I'm calling you to believe. For more, because God can do anything. And because God can do anything, we must dream big. You know, fathers in the room, how'd you feel if you're in the garage and you're moving things around and your little son or daughter comes up to you and and they say, Daddy, I don't think you can lift that little thing over there. I said, what do you mean? That's so light. That's a small little box. I can pick it up. No, Dad, I don't think you can do it. What do you mean? I, I, I can lift that. But what, how, how can you say I can't lift? No, Daddy, I don't think you can do it. I, I'd feel pretty sad, wouldn't you? I'd get pretty down. I mean, I want my, I want my kids to know that I can, I can lift that thing. I can lift more than that thing. I can do much more than that thing. And I wonder how many of us come to God in prayer and say, ah, I'm not sure you could do that. I'm not sure you get, maybe that, but not that. We'll be challenged. He is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Rock solid truth for the next 10 years. God can do anything. We must dream big. Finally, this. God deserves the glory. We exist for him. God deserves the glory. We exist for him. We've always understood that as a church. I want to make no mistake about that today. God deserves the glory. We exist for him. Notice verses 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Notice it again. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want you to notice 
all that we've covered in verse 20 is sandwiched between two, two hymns. You see it in the text, verse 20, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. Notice it again in verse 21, to him, to this God, what? Listen, to him, Paul says, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to put something on the screen. Don't do it yet. Ten years ago, a clever and cheeky graphic designer who was on staff at Oakville superimposed my image onto the trailer. Uh, you can see it now. And it said, and he sent it to all the staff, making fun of me as I'm getting ready to plant a church. The Jason Matta Show, Sundays at 9 a.m., Come see what the fuss is all about. And he emails it to everybody. Okay. The reason I, I've hidden that thing for all these years, and I'm bringing it out to show you to illustrate this point. That is the opposite of what our church is about. Amen? That's the exact opposite of what we're going for. That's the polar opposite of anything we desire. Not anyone's show. It's God's show. Not anyone's church, it's God's church. It's God's church. And so instead, Paul bursts into this doxology and he says, to him be glory in the church, to give God glory in the church. It's not to add anything to him. That's not what Paul is saying, but rather to worship him and to make much of him and to seek to honor him so that he is allowed to be seen for who he really is. We don't exist for ourselves, loved ones. We exist to glorify God. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. That's to say that the only way we can glorify God in the church is because of our union with Jesus Christ. So Paul is bridging this theology. We give him glory in the church. We can honor him in the church because we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we can give him glory. This is our prayer, isn't it? Isn't this our prayer at our 10-year anniversary looking ahead? For all the things that we can spend our time thinking about and talking about, isn't it our prayer that Jesus Christ is glorified? We don't come here to glorify a preacher or a group of elders or a staff team, or whatever. We come to glorify God. We come here to see a holy and transcendent God preached about and worshipped. You want to come here to experience transformational prayer that's centered on the hallowing of the name that is above every name. You want to come here to declare to the nations, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He deserves the glory. We exist for him. And my prayer is that as we're filled with faith right now, may it be so, Lord. He fills us with faith for what he can do among us, for what he will do among us, all for his fame and his renown. Loved ones, we're still a young church, only 10 years old. 
Yes, so much has happened, but there's still so much yet to come. I want you to remember, loved ones, that God can do anything. We must dream big. God deserves the glory. We will always exist for Him. And here, loved ones, we will be safe as we anticipate the greatest days of Hope Church. Now to Him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And if you agree, please say, Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are we are eager and excited for all that you desire to do among us. We're eager and expectant, Lord, because your word tells us that you are the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. And Lord, I'm praying right now that you would fill our hearts with the faith to believe that we will see great things in the days to come. And that there are things that we may not even see in this life that we will one day see. Ways that you've worked and ways that you moved. God, I pray for everybody in this room Give us faith to believe this together. Strengthen this church for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.